Hello. Come on in to our studio. We're going to start the show today with a Victorian dessert. We're also going to be talking about the research I've been doing on my historical home. We're going to be talking about weird Victorian names and also some Victorian ghost stories. It's all Victoria all the time, so come on in. And welcome back to Snack a Little, Talk a Little. I'm Mark. And I'm Jenna. And what do we have here? Wow, this, this is like two snacks. It's the Which, the second oh, wow, snack isn't wow. so much Victorian, although I do think that they drunk drunk drank hot chocolate. In th- <laughs> Wait, how much you go speaking ahead. of drinking? How much you've been how much you've been drinking before the some show? Hot chocolate. <laughs> I don't even know. I, I wow, this looks great. We're having it, by the way, so I've taken pictures for all of y'all, and you'll see that on our Facebook page. You can also go to Instagram and Twitter. I will post them on um, Instagram as well. At Snack a Little. That's right. Uh, So I started looking in all of my research on my home, and you go ahead and get in there, and I'll tell you what you're having. Well, no, I just want to explain that when I say, you know, wow, and I'm looking at it, Mm -hmm. you, you always do great on presentations. Oh, thanks. My presentations suck, but... So when when Jana brings stuff into the studio, I actually avert my eyes. Yes. You know, because I I want to see it fresh when right, we start we the show. Surprised. So that's why it's not I'm not faking that, oh, this looks great, even though I saw it five minutes ago. I did not see it five minutes Occasionally ago. Occasionally we discuss what we're having, but wow. usually we don't. Wow. Let me explain is, what well, it is. By this. the way, that's mint. And I mean, yes, you can, I can eat smell it, but the it's, mint. Is it's it from their, your garden. Yeah. <laughs> I it's, love it. It's something I can't kill yet. Knock wood. <laughs> Knock wood. Um I just thought it would be pretty, and wow. you have a couple of fresh Look at that dessert. Look at uh, the... raspberry and blackberry, just so that you know what's in there. The rest has been cooked. This is a recipe that I found from an 1895 newspaper for our area here. Right. Uh, it was very vague. And oh, really? so, oh my, I've pulled up several recipes that we will be trying. So is this a bread pudding? No. Oh, well, okay. not really. <laughs> There's no egg. It's called Berry Betty. Now, I've heard of Apple Brown Betty. Apparently, there are a lot of different brown Bettys. Um, you can make it with bread. Bram-ba-lam-ba-lam. There you go. Oh, I, that's I, Black Betty. Yes. Well, same thing. So you can make it with either bread. That mint is very strong slices. When, you, when you pinch it and, and pinch it between your fingers yeah, and rub is. a little bit. Yes. It's lovely. <laughs> uh, you can either make it with bread slices or bread crumbs. Um, I went with the bread slices. Bread crumbs sounds like a lot of work. Yes, you're going to have to like kind of cut into it, but you know, right, right. deal with it. I, it didn't call for a sauce. I made a sauce that I poured over it. It's really simple. I, and so you guys, it's bread, it's butter, it's cinnamon, it's sugar and berries. And it said that raspberries and blackberries seem to lend themselves the most to this recipe. But as far as how to do it, it doesn't tell you if you're supposed to put it in an oven, but I assumed that I did because it did say something about it getting brown <laughs> eventually. Okay. Right. But it doesn't give you a temperature. It doesn't give you anything like that. And so... Well, you know what? What? So you said that you got this from a Victorian era thing. Yes. I think that might be because... And as we talked with your mom, mm-hmm. uh, this is... The, they didn't. They had a wood stove. Right. They didn't have a oven be, with a thermostat. It would be vague. You just kind of right. went with so, what so, your mom so taught a, you and what her. So it mom probably taught says. Her. Uh, probably says bake it. Go right. Ahead, go ahead and dig in. Why? <laughs> go ahead. Uh, 
but it probably, you know, it's assumed that you're going to bake it or something like that. And you can't put it in, you didn't have an electric timer, an electric oven or mm-hmm. any thermostat or anything like that. It's just like, no, no, uh, this one takes a, a, a third of a cord of wood in order to cook. <laughs> I don't know. But I think that's probably why it didn't have instructions on baking like we're used to because, you know, you had wood stoves. So the so you guys, what happens is because I layered, it's two layers of French bread. And instead of buttering the bread, I melted the butter because it says to put moist bread in a pan and then put berries with the cinnamon and sugar over it. Uh-huh. And then more moist bread. It didn't say how you were supposed to moisturize it. <laughs> so I thought, well. Well, I'm glad that you didn't use like Vaseline or something right. like that. <laughs> Motor oil. It, so I'm just thinking I'm just going to melt down the butter. By the way, it also doesn't tell me how much butter. Oh, maybe it did. I probably did more than they called for. Because what I did is I took my, uh, I've got a basting brush, and I basted the butter on every slice of the bread and then did the sugar and the uh, cinnamon and the berries and then did again over the top. So what you end up with is the juices from the berries make the bottom bread soggy, but it tastes great, I think. And then you have a crisp bread on the top. Right. And, and by the way, and I will be posting this, this is good. I wasn't sure what it was going to be like. I don't miss the eggs because it almost is a bread pudding. Really, all we're missing is some vanilla, nutmeg, right. and egg. Some custard type yeah. thing. I don't miss it. I don't miss the egg at all. I do. Yeah. <laughs> this is good. Don't get me wrong. You're right. It does make it, uh, it's kind of like soggy milk cereal in the bottom without the milk part. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, but the, the difference between that and the crunchy top, if you mm-hmm. get a little bit of both in there, mm-hmm. it really adds to the mm-hmm. texture. This is good stuff. Plus, there was brown sugar that I put on the top, which tends to get a little crisp. I mean, really, you know what, you guys? For those of you that have been here for the long haul, you know that early on that Mark and I both grew up eating milk toast. And it's a little bit my, like milk toast because I did do like a vanilla cream sauce mm. over it. So it's hold like on, your cinnamon sugar. I had to ding the vanilla oh, okay. cream sauce. <laughs> so. Wow. You'll notice that you have hot chocolate. I okay. thought it would be nice to go with this. Okay. Turn turn the, the pink one around. You can look at the other side of it. There's a yellow and a pink straw or a strawberry. There's a yellow and a pink marshmallow. Okay. So I'm going to flip my... Pink marshmallow. Look at that. Oh my gosh. It's what is that? Chocolate in the middle? Yes. <laughs> I found these. They're called stuffed puffs. They're chocolate filled marshmallows. Oh my gosh. I've been hanging on to these. I'm like, well, if if having hot chocolate wasn't good enough and you want to add some strawberry or stra- why do I keep calling them strawberry? I don't know. But these are full size marshmallows. These aren't like With, the mini marshmallows or anything. Right. They're full size. And that, with that's chocolate, chocolate in the middle. Center. Wow. Yes. Right. And I did eat one. By the way, I don't like marshmallows that haven't melted. But for the sake of the show, because I wanted to know, and here's one for you too. I wanted to know, okay, is this decent chocolate or is it going to be like wax that's brown? Hmm. No, it's it's chocolatey. So. So it's a yellow marshmallow also filled? Yes. They, it, the whole bag full of marshmallows wow. are filled with chocolate. So we have never seen them before. Hot chocolate with marshmallows that have chocolate in the middle. 
That's right. <laughs> so chocolate. This is what absolutely. What did I do to deserve as, this? <laughs> as far as I know, this isn't Victorian. I don't think they had pink and yellow marshmallows with chocolate in them. If they did, good on them. But I just thought it seemed like a good thing to have with our Berry mm. Betty, not Berry Brown Betty, Berry Betty. Wow. I know. This is great. So Wait, a... are we still doing the show? Because I'm, I'm just really indulging in this. This mm. is, this is a great, great. Uh, dessert type of meal nice way to start the show isn't it it's great so you guys will see i will post this like i said the recipe on our page i would love it if you guys try this it is so simple i don't see why you couldn't do it with whatever fruit is in season that you think would be good for basically like a crisp right i looked online there are many like the apple brown betty crisp martha stewart has one with apples and pears i believe and rum or or i don't know I, I don't know my alcohols very well, so I'm like, eh, it was an alcohol, I know that. But I just stuck with the Victorian recipe for the most part. Mm. I had to wing it. I figure when in doubt, put everything at the 350 temp, because that seems to work for a lot of things. So that's what that's what I did. Well, this is great. Yes. Both of these. I, <laughs> I know. I'm going to be munching the rest of the show on this. <laughs> so the reason this is a Victorian show. Right. We've discussed this a little bit, but I feel more like it's time to come out of the closet <laughs> right. with the work that I've been doing, trying to learn the history of my home. Right. And so going back, I've lived here 12 years, we had a feeling, because we'd been told by somebody, that this street was named for um, a guy by the name of Martin Hoover. Right now, we didn't know a whole lot about him, and um, now you've mentioned the street that you live on. <laughs> yes, uh, I just want to point out that in this particular part of town, the streets are all named after presidents, mm -hmm. and you know this is Hoover Street, and it's between two other you know uh, semi-major streets that are also named after presidents. Right. That, that you would think that Hoover is no named after not to think that. Yeah. Herbert Hoover. You, right. Or, but, but it is not. And that was, that was the revelation for me. Because I've, I've been on the sidelines while Jana's been doing this investigation and everything. Yeah. And it's, it's great to find out about local history. Yes. And also to have little tidbits that you can share at a party. And I have shared many times the fact that, you know, I talk to people when I'm at, you know, locals, when I'm at events and stuff like that. And I say... You know, Hoover Street is not named for 15 the president. minute dating things. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's right. <laughs> well, for me, it's called. only two minute. Oh, okay. They don't last that long around right. me, <laughs> ladies. <laughs> so when, as as some of you already know, when my now ex husband and I moved into here, it didn't take very long before we realized that we weren't alone, and there it seemed it seemed to be at that time. And now I'm convinced that it is haunted. So we had a couple of different paranormal teams that actually came here and spent a good three or four hours investigating the house. Oftentimes, they will look up as much history as they can find about your home. And at that time, I found out that my home had been moved from the major street that is an intersection uh, on one of the two intersections right. uh, for this street. And so then I became more curious. At that point, uh, we we had a feeling 
that the person who lived in my house um, had some significance in in the city of Riverside because there were a few things that we could pull up about this guy. There was some stuff that was pretty easy to find. Okay. Anyway, turns out that we thought we were buying an 1898 uh, house. And in my research, I found out it was actually built in 1881. I don't know why, but that just tickles me. I'm like, oh, it's even older. <laughs> it's 10 years older. Uh, so, but then I started finding out this man was one of the pioneers of Riverside. Now, he got here mm, between five and 10 years later than some of the very first, but they didn't have like an established government. And when he got here, they started to do those kind of things to organize and really make plans for how to make uh, San Bernardino, if you're from around here, work. Right. Because it was all just one big woohoo. But the people in Riverside, including Martin Hoover, were just like, no, we can't. Because I guess there were a lot of hooligans in, in San Bernardino. And so they had the people vote and decided that they were going to go their separate ways because they did not really want to be part of the San Bernardino partiers. Right. And so <laughs> you can't you can't necessarily uh, landmark a home, which is what I was looking into doing. Uh, just because there, I mean, my goodness, people would be landmarking every home if they could, if there were perks to it. But I mean, there needs to be some reason why. And just in in the research, I found that this guy was actually a very big part of what made Riverside what it is. And as I now drive around the city that I've lived in most of my life, I have to tell you, and I don't know if you've gotten to this point, because I have shared so much with you, Mark. I look around at things with this renewed interest, maybe even a sense of reverence and uh, a feeling of being grateful. And like, I know a secret because I'm learning about <laughs> right what these people went through in our city to make it what it is now. Yes, I, I and the same same with me. I mean, I know obviously we're taught in school a uh, little bit bits about the history of Riverside. Uh, we have a, a museum downtown mm-hmm. that, as a kid, I would go into. It was free. The museum was free. We we'd, we'd ride our bikes downtown and we'd go into the museum and read about the stuff. Man, I hung out with a nerd crew. <laughs> now now you're stuck with another friend that's a nerd. <laughs> But the again, I've also had the renewed interest in local history, old buildings, and stuff like that, and and who may have owned them, and who were the founders of Riverside, right? Uh, especially as it relates, as Jana said, directly to her house here, it's uh, it's pretty amazing. I mean, Martin Martin Hoover is the one who's who's this house. This was his first house in Riverside. Mm-hmm. Uh, down the street is the First Presbyterian Church which is the oldest church in Riverside. And he was a major figure in the church there, actually. Yes. He and, and his wife. Yes, yeah, she was. there was the 13th and 14th members baptized in the church, and he was an elder there. And you can't, you can't look up much of anything for this Mag- Magnolia slash Arlington Presbyterian Church and not find all kinds of information about Martin and Kate Hoover and everything that they did uh, as being, uh, well, members 
uh, of the Magnolia Presbyterian Church. Right. It was a big part of their life. They were very religious, very, very devout, very preachy. And I don't mean that in a bad way, because yes. if you're a good Christian, you're supposed to be they, preaching they, the word they out there. They wore their religion for sure. Well, I don't know about Kate, because you don't see much about her, but you see plenty, plenty about Martin Hoover. And I'm talking about uh, there's a site that I went to in case any of you ever wanted to know something, you may be, may be able to find information. I looked up old permits, which didn't really help a lot. <laughs> what I found is that in the early days, apparently they didn't be, be pulling no permits because I couldn't find permits before the 40s. There were some as well, early what's as... The, what's the site? You mentioned the site. What's the site so that you... Per, you could pull up permits in your city, go to your city government site. The other place was called genealogy.com. And it's fascinating because I started out with a a certain uh, I had a direction to go, and that helps. And if you have a few if you have a few hints, for example, my address changed three different times. So I think that probably the work that I had to do or chose to do was a little harder than it might be because it was moved, and. Uh, and they subdivided this street, and they moved my house to the end of, of Martin Hoover's uh, orchards. And then they changed, they created a street name, but then they changed the street name. Do you want to say what it is, Mark, what the original street name was? The original street was Robusta. And why? And it was called Robusta after the Washingtonia Robusta. That's right. Now, if you're not local... You probably don't know that, and you know what? If you are local, you probably don't know that. But you, but you do know the Washingtonia Robusta. If you've been in Southern California or seen the pictures, exactly. Uh, so the Washingtonia Robusta is a palm tree, but is the palm tree that is very, very thin and has a big brushy head at the top. In fact, they also called them sky dusters. Well, Martin Hoover is the one who brought sky dusters to this area. And he loved him so much, he apparently, from, from what Janet has read, apparently he put a Washingtonia Robusta in the center of the street as it came off. So we have a couple big main streets here in town. I mean, big main streets. And one of the main streets uh, is where Robusta Street came off of, and he put a palm tree in the center of that intersection. Well, there was an intersection yet, so it was his property. Oh, it was, okay, it was his property. But the, the main road that came down mm -hmm. that eventually became the street, uh, Robusta, had uh, is named after the Washingtonia Robusta. That's right, and he was so beloved when they did start uh, subdividing and, and putting a street in. They decided that they didn't. They didn't know if they were going to do anything with the tree. They the the guy that was doing the the work uh, on and taking down all the orange trees and the other nectarine trees, whatever all was on Martin Hoover's property, they kept the house up. And then eventually, like I said, they moved it down once they had opened up this property and gotten rid of all the trees, except including a lot of eucalyptus. One was over a hundred feet. Was one of the first trees to come down out of Martin Hoover's property. But they left the palm tree. The gentleman said that he knew that the city of Riverside had had their eye on it, but he hadn't decide yet, decided yet what he wanted to do with it. But then he wanted to offer it as a gift to the city of Riverside. Now, some of you who are around here know about the parent naval orange tree. Now, what do you know about right. it, Mark? So Riverside, we were, we were brought up. Man, this gets into a longer discussion. But you mm. know what? We have a little bit of time here. Yep, yep. Uh, in fact, you know what? Before we do that, speaking of Victorian era, 
I think we need a little bit of background music from the Victorian era. Oh, so I have okay. I have a little bit. I'm going to play it softly in the background. This is just something that I found on YouTube. So uh, we'll play it softly in the background as we're talking about the uh, Victorian era. I thought for sure you're going to put on Metallica or something. No, no, no. <laughs> I this thought is, that's Debussy. This is lit, I don't. I guess. Yeah. Okay. But it's just it's just someone. That, this is. Uh, uh, it's a 19th century playlist. I love it. So. Okay. There we go. This is what we're going to have in the background. So uh, our area here in uh, Inland Empire, the Inland Southern California, Riverside, San Bernardino area, was uh, we were taught that yes. this was a an area that was brought up from the uh, citrus industry. And mm-hmm. the citrus mm-hmm. industry is still here to this day, severely cut back because we... Even us people who've lived here, we people, I should Growth say, we know the orange groves have been taken away and housing tracks have gone in and stuff like that. Yep. But anyway, so this area was brought up with the wa- the Washington Naval Orange Tree that was brought by a lady named Eliza Tibbetts. She brought a couple of these from, I believe, Washington, D.C., and it started the citrus industry here in town. And that, excuse me, that's how the town grew. And we have at the intersection of the two major streets that I have mentioned, there is one of those trees is still left. Yes. And it is called the Parent Naval Orange Tree. So for those that don't know, a little, little bit about citrus is that you can't just plant an orange seed and grow the same orange or the same uh, grapefruit or the same anything. You mm-hmm. don't know what the citrus is going to be. Citrus is very uh, temperamental in that way. Mm-hmm. You could plant an orange seed and it could grow a lemon tree. You can plant a lemon seed, it could grow a grapefruit tree. Wow. So what you do, everything has to be grafted onto rootstock in order to... I'm getting way into the weeds on this. <laughs> but, you, but you have to graft them. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so that's what the parent naval orange tree, Washington naval orange trees, they were using grafts from those two trees to put on the other citrus uh, stems... There you and go. that's how we got all this in the and the Washington Naval is a seedless orange. So even if you although mine that I have in my yard <laughs> occasionally has seeds in it, but that's how citrus a- operates. So anyways, we we have we have a we have it down at the major intersection in town, what we consider to be the center of town. And it was known at that time as the head of Magnolia Avenue. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. So, because it was still growing, and yeah, right, this right. was like the head of it. Right. So, so, uh, so we have the parent naval orange tree. Right now, it is covered in a structure that has very fine screen on it because there is the Asian citrus psyllid, uh, an insect that will yeah. destroy uh, crops and everything. So we had to protect it from that. Which is great, but it's also sad because you really can't see it. Yeah, you can't. It's a landmark, though. Yes. And the whole reason we're bringing all of this up yes. is because Martin Hoover... Now, was it Martin Hoover or the people? The, the, the people that were... The people that were developing, developing the land the that they bought from him. They, they There was that tree now right in the middle of the intersection, like you were saying. Right. Where if people were going down Robusta Street, you'd you know go up and down on either side of the tree. Right, kind of like right a, at the intersection. kind of like a roundabout exactly. type of a thing. Exactly. Well, they wanted to honor Martin Hoover, and they wanted to put it down next to the parent naval orange tree mm-hmm. because Gift it to these Washingtonia robusta palm trees are all throughout this city. I mean, when you have the tree lot, you know, the palm tree lined streets, the view that you see in Hollywood movies and all that, we have those here all over the place. And Martin started it. And and as it turns out, the people that were trying to put the tree down the Washington Ro- Washingtonia Robusta down at the parent naval orange tree 
somehow weren't able to do that. And have we been we've, able to, is that still a mystery? We've, so, yes, mis, no, yes, oh, but no. It was, it was a mystery. So it was a mystery, and we've because wondered we, we now we were trying to find out months. why is... Where's wait, the tree? Every tree, tree I'm looking at, is it still here? I bet it's one of these trees, because they are all around us. Right. It's got to be one of these trees. There's even a couple here on And we knew it wasn't Robusta. at the end of the street. Right. Okay. In all my digging around, here's what I found. Ornamental palm tree, basis of damage claim. An ornamental palm tree in the center of Hoover Street was the cause of a $1,000 claim for damage against the municipality, which was filed with the city council today by E.R. Lewis. Mr. Lewis alleged that on February 19, 1934, he was driving his automobile on, Ho automobile on Hoover Street, <laughs> Uh, approaching Magnolia Avenue and collided with an unlighted and unprotected palm tree in the middle of the thoroughfare. He was painfully injured about the face and head and neck and body. The claim pointed out Mr. Lewis charged negligence and carelessness on the part of the city due to what he deemed dangerous and defective condition of Hoover Street. The claim was referred to the city attorney, uh, the city attorney by the uh, city council. I found then later a very small, very small little blip from two years later that the landmark tree at Hoover and Magnolia had dried out and died. Wow. And so that they, they had gone and removed it. I am so just amazed we, at all the... I, I got to tell you, Jana has been going down the rabbit hole doing so much research yes. on this. And yeah. we were wondering what happened to the tree because it's got to be here. We got to find the historic tree. And you eventually did solve because the mystery. Because they can, they can live as old as 500 years. I suspect, although I think it's probably pretty hard to kill a palm tree because our palm trees here go through a lot just with the winds alone. It's a, And the drought conditions. Yes, it's amazing. And they last. But it does say where, where, it, where it, it gives the little mention that the tree had died. It does say that it had been sit, hit several times. How do you... Come on. <laughs> you hit a palm tree? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, there was that one palm tree on Victoria that had a car's leaf spring through it. That's right. Do you remember that? I do. So we had one of our one of our beautiful streets, tree-lined streets. Victoria Avenue used to be used as a drag race place for those for those punky kids. And yes. there was actually a palm tree that had an automotive leaf spring through it. The car was going so fast when it crashed into it that its rear leaf spring went through the tree and everything else was taken out, but that was in there for years. And the tree's no longer there, by the way. I, I went to the same area to try to find it. I can't find it. I wonder if the people on Facebook uh, pointed it out enough times that somebody decided, <laughs> oh, it's time to take it down. Right. So bottom line, that I have had a couple of experts come to my house in, in all of this, somebody who's a, a historical architectural expert. Right. And we can't, we don't have full on proof. But we do believe where, where my house originally started out with just a little over 1100 square feet. And now it's almost 2300 square feet. So it's pretty much doubled in size. It would have started out as just a little rectangle. Uh, I call it, because of the really um, steep peaked roof, I found that it's considered um, Gothic Victorian farmhouse. Okay. Um, but, but by the way, we're not talking like Vlad Gothic. This is not dramatic and scary <laughs> right, and right. bats, you know, More like American Gothic, it. like the painting. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. 
but they're calling it, the city of Riverside is calling it a folk farmhouse. Folk, Mark, farmhouse. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> should I ding that in case you leave out the L sure. or somehow in that? <laughs> no, you just made fun of me on a, make sure you're listening to all our shows when I talked about Yolk. Oh. A folk <laughs> farmhouse. <laughs> Okay. I didn't know. I listen to all our milk. shows. I'm here for them, and I don't even know the reference. Do you say milk, Mick, instead of milk? Yeah, that's right. Okay. All right, just making I wanna, sure. I want a glass of cold milk. Mick. Cold milk. Uh, so, um, we believe now that actually my home was all of the extra that was added on to the house, the extra thousand or so feet. We think it was actually done by Martin and Kate Hoover before this house was moved, obviously, because they didn't live in it when it was moved. Right. Um, there are different things that I'm finding in the paper that tell me the most recent was that there was the first person that was going to live in the house while it was still on Magnolia after Mr. Hoover moved in 1908. This They said that this person is moving into a lot of, you know, orchards and blah, 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 blah. But they also said it's going to be a large estate that he'll be living in. Oh, really? This wouldn't have been considered large, I don't think. Originally, when it was built, they said it was a two-story cottage. This was this is now more than just a cottage. Right. So, But, but it is not an estate. Well, it, I think they... I, okay, but I think they mean generally think everything that was on the, oh, okay. the, on the, the property? entire property. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the entire property. At that time, it was 10 acres. It started out as 20. So so after I gathered everything, it was decided by the, the guy who I had to give the application and all of my information to. He decided it was worthy of going before the Board of Heritage, and it did. And Mark and my sister uh, came with me that day and... Essentially. Well, well also, I, I just want to point out before we talk about that, yeah. is that Martin Hoover, after he, so he, he built the house on Magnolia, yep. then he doubled it or whatever, moved, and he didn't move it back, right? Correct. He was already moved. Right. He was already out. Then the house got moved back to what was then the end of the street, has yes. since been extended. Yeah. But when Martin Hoover moved, he actually built a house in the area we've referred to as downtown. Yes. And that house already has been designated a historic, I don't know what the specific one is. It is a landmark. Is, but it's a, it's a historic landmark. Not because of him, uh, specifically. Oh, it's not? Is it because of the it style was, of the house? It was because it was the first house to be successfully moved in the home preservation Historical Preservation oh. Society. So it was moved in the 70s because of the so freeway. His, his second house is yes. not where it originally was? Correct. Oh, Both of his houses have I, been moved. I did not Mine know that. That is wild. That is wild. Yeah, and, and it's a nice, it's a really great house. Yes, it is. Yeah. Uh, fancier than this one, yes, I would say. Yes, it is. Yeah. Uh, but uh, anyway, that one has already been designated. Yes. So then, because of all the uh, discussions and all the paperwork that Jana had filled out, we ended up going to a cultural heritage board meeting that was held in the city council chambers. Yeah, yes. And... Uh, after the the gentleman that I send all of the information to, he said, you know, the basics about the property. Then we had an opportunity um, to say something if I wanted to. Right. And, Go and speak the same about... with, with Mark. If I wanted to bring people, they had an opportunity to say something right. as well. And, and I was like, wait, there's going to be an audience <laughs> and a video camera and I can speak to a microphone. I think I'll show up. <laughs> and he did. And I, I got to tell you, I wanted to say something because I had a feeling that the presentation by 
this gentleman that that it's his job to present it to the board members. I had a feeling it would be pretty dry. Right. No, nothing. I mean, it's all good. It's fine. But I wanted to add a little right. spark. And it's to all it. very. And you know, this is if if you want to see how city government is run, this is this is a, an offshoot of the city government. Yeah. But it is just exactly how you expect politics to be run. Yeah. It yep. was uh, kind of boring, kind of bland until. You and I got up there. Oh, of course. And the <laughs> we people... should have gone. You know what? We should have gone up together and did a segment for the <laughs> <We> show. <should've. laughs> no, 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 no cameras. <laughs> no, that's right. That's right. Jenna doesn't want the cameras. No, me neither. Now, after seeing myself on camera, <laughs> <laughs> but I was very surprised because they actually had the opportunity to ask questions after, and there were some people who asked some great questions, and they seemed so enthused yeah. that they wanted to know if we would be willing to present this to so that more people can learn about this pioneer of Riverside who's he's kind of he's like a sleeper movie and right. I think that was his choice I, for him it wasn't about fame and fortune and glory even though no, it was about doing the right thing that's and right setting an example for yes. the Lord my country <laughs> tis of thee <laughs> no he was really he I I have a lot of respect for Martin Hoover. I, I feel like he was really a good man just trying to do the right thing. Right. So what, what happened was that, uh, uh, like Jana said, we, we got to the Cultural Heritage Board meeting. The one guy that she's been dealing with did a presentation and, you know, he did great, showed mm -hmm, the stuff mm -hmm. and maps and all that stuff. And then Jana got up and spoke on how she thought yes. the house should, you know, what it should look like or what it should be and that it should be. Then I got up there. Now, now mind you, when you're up there, you have three minutes. <laughs> And there's a countdown timer. And when Jana was talking, I wasn't sure she was going to get to all of her points. Mark was pitting out. I was, I was like, oh, no. I don't think she – is she looking at the clock? Does she know? Because, you know, she's – was, you know, being Jana, talking and being, you know, very thorough and getting – and I thought, she's going to get cut off before she gets to her – and I, I almost was going to go up and tap her on the shoulder and say, shh, the clock, the clock. But I grabbed my hat and slid under the door. She was fantastic. She knew exactly what she was doing. Afterwards, she said, oh, yeah, I knew what, I knew the clock. I was watching it and all yep. that. Yep. And and it was just it was just great. Now, me, when I went up there winging it, <laughs> I was hooking and zinging. I, I was running out of – I ran out of stuff to say, and there was extra time. So, I went, wait, there's extra time? I'm okay. using it. So let, me, so let me tell you, when I was a kid, I was <laughs> – and that was what that was all I did. My grandparents hated me. I, I did a couple of things like that, but uh, and then they voted. Yes. And I tell you, it was it was like a final Jeopardy moment. It was do yeah, do I know. do. In fact, yep. I think I started singing well, the Jeopardy theme. It was questionable <laughs> because there was one person that felt the need to chastise me because some changes have been made on this house. Oh yes. Which so when when it comes to landmarking a property, well, a, a structure. The, the rules okay i'm just gonna say this first of all the guy said all right but you need to take advantage of the mills act and grants and things like that because they're encouraging people to you know restore these old properties and keep them alive so that people right. know about the history of, of where you're at and he's like do that because i have windows that were replaced by previous homeowners and they're not wood windows anymore they're um What's it called? Vinyl. It's it's wood with a vinyl wrap, and right. that's not okay in landmark land. And it is amazing the detail, you know. And look, I'm not I'm not berating this guy. He's doing his due diligence and everything. It's it it's the system that I'm berating that the fact that from the street, you know, your your window frames are painted, yep. whether they're wood 
or plastic, or I'm not the plastic, vinyl, you can't tell that no. from the street. No, unless you go up Why there and- is that a factor? The, the concept behind preserving homes is to make them, I mean, my understanding of it is to make them look like they looked back in the day. You know, and that's why they get notif- noticed or whatever, you know, as a, yes. as a designated house on, because there's many different designations they can have. And the fact that it, it almost didn't make it because her vinyl windows, the frames of them are vinyl. And the siding has been replaced at the back of the house, which you can't see from the street at all. Right. And it was just like, wow, that is very nitpicky for considering, well, considering. It's just, going to be it's going to be deemed, and it, it has to go before the city council. But it's 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 done. That's why we're right. talking about it. It's done since the board of heritages has agreed unanimously, and it will go forward to the city council so that they know that these experts on historical properties, historical you know uh, structures, have said yes. Give her the stamp of approval to be considered a house of merit, which is the next step down. I'm okay with that. Don't say but... that too loud. We don't want the house to know it's <laughs> it's on the next step down because I don't want to get haunted in the I'm okay with that show. But before we move forward to the next part of this Victorian show, I have to say that I do have some concern with because with this because this house it is just a simple farmhouse. There are some grand estates that are landmarked here and some grand estates that aren't probably for who knows what reason. Maybe the people just don't want to. But this home housed a really important guy and it's about the, the it's about the people who lived here and and probably the awesome parties <laughs> that he had with the people that he was entertaining who were also pioneers of Riverside it's about with this house it's who it's who it homed well, and who who was in here the the parties weren't that awesome because he was a teetotaler well i mean i spoke out I'm, I'm a teetotaler essentially too and i have some fun parties well <laughs> but, <laughs> but so i'm very concerned that if the standards for putting the spotlight on historical aspects of any town or city are so high then there's so much that a lot of people will never know about. It is and amazing. The research you had to do, the hoops you had to jump through to get to this. And learned so much yeah. ama- other that's, amazing that's things. That's the great thing, is that you did learn so much, and I you did. shared so much with me during this. For those of you that listen that are from around here, Riverside used to have antelope. People went antelope hunting. The antelope in this area? <laughs> it's I, a trip. This, that's unbelievable. I, I can't. It, it blows my mind, but... But anyway, so it was it was it was a great little thing. Anyway, we we still are doing more research, or I shouldn't say I can't we. Stop. Jana's doing the research. I can't stop. And uh, we have plans to hopefully present this at uh, uh, a couple events, possibly maybe doing some kind of school presentation or something like that, and doing a tour around the schools. There, and there's something that Mark actually absolutely. I wouldn't say he's inked yet because we don't actually have the date, but he's agreed. <laughs> to play the part of Martin Hoover, right, right, to to kind of kind of put on the outfit and pretend to be Martin Hoover, and uh, you know, and, and espouse some of the historical things that he did. In fact, one of the things I just want to get back to before we move on to our next subject, uh-huh. Jana, okay. is that you mentioned this area before was San Bernardino, the entire area apparently, and it got split into Riverside and San Bernardino because of Martin Hoover and 
other people. He was not the only one. He was right. not a dictator, but he was part of it. There were three on the and board there's, of supervisors. There's a designation. There's a phrase that you use because, you know, Martin Hoover being a teetotaler yes. and a very religious person didn't want to be associated with the San Bernardino people. And you call it the... Mullet. Yeah. <laughs> San Bernardino is the party in the back, or in this case, maybe the party in the front, because it depends on which direction you're headed. <laughs> And Riverside is all business. That's right. On top. And that's how, and I didn't, I never knew that. I never knew our counties. I thought when our counties, the two counties, by the way, Riverside and San Bernardino counties are two of the largest counties in the United States. And when they were, uh, I didn't, when they were formed, I did not know Riverside was a offshoot of San Bernardino. I just learned that San Diego was also part of that. Figure that oh, out. Oh, really? So it doesn't mention Temecula, but how, I don't think you could do that without including Temecula. Is that, maybe that's part of Riverside County? Riverside County, Okay. Yeah, yeah well, San Diego. Interesting. And they didn't care. They are just like, mm, whatever. That seems very, very San Diego. <laughs> San Diego is wonderful. In fact, I've always said if uh, if I win the lottery, I'm getting a house in San Diego because the weather it's down there is nice. fantastic. It's pretty nice. All right. Now, I got to thinking about <laughs> Victorian names. <laughs> Actually, I was thinking about something else and I was searching for it. <laughs> we won't say what it is. <laughs> but I came across. Hold on, but I'm going to ding it a couple times. <laughs> I came across. You should, you, folks, you got to tune in for the pre-show <laughs> that, that we don't you have. Do. <laughs> I came across something that was talking about the really weird Victorian names. And I wanted to know more. Now, what I'm finding is that the really weird ones were in England. So my ancestors. So you were mean freaks. names? You mean names like people's pe names. people's names? Okay. Yes. These are Victorian people's names. Yes. So here are a few, and they claim that this is like legit. Raspberry lemon. <laughs> Wait, Gwyneth Paltrow was back in the Victorian era yeah, naming kids. Right. Lettuce burger. No. Baboon. I don't believe this. Toilet. No. Farting, farting chat. No. I don't know. I don't even know. No, these are not. I'm sorry. I This this must be a joke site or something. Minty Badger. Hold on. I'm digging that one. Princess Cheese. <laughs> and that one. <laughs> Wait, okay. was, was that your nickname in high school? <laughs> Friendless Baxter. Is that this one? It even says that the person was born in 1871 in Leeds. So this person's name, so I... Why would you name someone, your kid, friendless? friendless? So uh, so back in the Puritan era, which I think was the 1600s, I think, you would have names like Temperance or right. Faith, Hope, and Charity. Right. This kid's name was Faith, Hope, Charity, Brown. 1892. I can't even that one I can. That one I can understand. Leicester Railway. Cope. So that's the first middle and middle name. Hmm. One too many Goldstoon. <laughs> Windsor Castle. Yeah, that was its name. It. It doesn't. Oh, it's a her. It's a her. Zebra. Lines with Y, not an I. Anne, Bertha, Cecilia, Diana, Emily, Fanny, Gertrude, Hypatia, Ug, Jane, Kate, Louisa, Maud, Nora, Ophelia, Quince, Rebecca, Starkey, Teresa, Ulysses, Venus, Winifred, Xenophon, Yeti, Zeus, Pepper. That's one name? Yes. Oh, my God. But they just call her Anne. Was <laughs> Anne even one of the names? I don't know. That was too many. 
Uh, that's... Is there a John J- Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidt? No. Because that's my name, too. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Who'd have thought it? Restel is the I, last name. Th- I just find this stuff hard to believe. You found this on the internet, right? On Huffington Post. <laughs> Min- oh, well, there you go. <laughs> Mineral Waters. So there you go. Now, okay, so just we'll just go a little longer on this. And I just wanted to tell you, this apparently is legit. Yes, it says that it is. And these are actually real deal names. But I'm thinking, okay, but we've heard some normal ones. So I did look up like some of the ones that are a little more normal. Okay, now this isn't going to surprise you. Theodore, Felix, Silas, Oliver, Oscar, Ezra, Miles, Ambrose. By the way, that's Latin. Ambrose? Yeah. It means immortal. Hmm. Henry. Lewis. Okay, so there are some normal names. Some of those names names. are so outrageous, though. It's like, oh, seriously? What, what, the, the first ones I read? Yeah. <laughs> well, yes, but but they're swearing that these are legit. I mean, if they're swearing it, Mark, it must be true. <laughs> I guess so. It's on the internet, it's on Huffington Post, and they're swearing it. So I guess it... Uh, who, wait, who am I to question that? Well, wait a minute. Now, Huffington Post isn't necessarily known for being liars. It's just that you might not like them because sometimes their politics are a little different. Is that mm, fair to say? Well, not. it's not just that their politics are different. It's the way they present them and their bias and their clickbaitness. So to me, okay. this is almost like something that was... Uh, Maybe uh, written up by an AI computer or something that made stuff up. I don't know. I'm just saying that some of those sound... Not that the humans aren't uh, capable of giving ridiculous names. Because I think I've mentioned on the show before that there was a girl who went to school here locally. Her name was Aquanetta. Right. After the... I I don't know if she was named after the hair product of the uh, 70s. But uh, anyway, it's actually... So just to give women their due, there were common names. There's Mary, Elizabeth, Sarah, Martha, Anne, Hannah, Rebecca, Rachel, and Lydia. Wait, is that all one name? Because that, no. <laughs> that one lady had most of them. No. Uh, no. Um, also, apparently, biblical names, which were some of the ones that I noticed, but all, or noted, but Electa, that's biblical? Hmm. Dorcas. <laughs> I hope you're not asking me if it's biblical. Dorcas, I would think. Dorcas was a name for a girl in the movie Oklahoma. Really? Yep. That's right. Hmm. Wow, it's taking me back. Hezekiah, Ebenezer, Hiram. So there you go. These are names that aren't as big a surprise. We may not hear a lot of these as much as we used to. Sophronia and Parthena. Those are apparently mythological names were something people were doing in the 19th century. Hmm. And gender swapping names. Huh. Madison, Marion, Lauren, Emery, Ellis, Alicia, with an E, and Addison. I don't know if I would name a man Alicia, with an E or an A. Huh. Anyway, (laughs) keeping keeping in with the, the gender theme. Yeah. So. Wow. Lastly, we're just going to tell you a little bit because I thought well okay maybe we could talk about something that the Victorians believed or did they believe in the paranormal what do you think Mark 
I think it's time to get into Paranormal Corner and find out what you, what you find, excuse me, I can't even say it. I'm getting scared. <laughs> Only because we're talking about so many Victoria in, things in this house and everything. And to me, when that has happened in the past, that's when things get stirred up here. It's true. <laughs> so I'm like, I don't know if we should talk about Paranormal Corner. So here's what I found. This is from a newspaper in from 1895, one okay. of the local newspapers. It says it's um, something that's it's, it's naval related. Twenty years Wait. ago, <laughs> naval related. I think we're talking like, like belly button floating around in the ocean. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> well, because we talked about this area started with uh, naval oh, oranges. Oh, that's true. Oh, that's true. Oh, right. I, yes. I don't think I mentioned that the parent naval orange tree. Oh, I think we did. did yep. Parent. Yep. It's naval we're because fine. it's fine. Wait, wait, now wait. Let me step out of paranormal corner for a second. So the naval orange is called that because it's seedless and it's uh, the bottom of it. Looks well, not because it's seedless, but the bottom of it, where uh, I guess seed production would be or something. Anyway, it looks like a belly button. Ta-da! So it's called the naval orange. But you're saying this story is naval, like navy yes. naval. Okay. Twenty years ago, there came to Tianjin, which, by the way, I looked that up. It's China. Okay. An Englishman and his son. The father was a retired army officer of some means, and they were traveling for pleasure. They took a fancy to Tianjin and decided to settle there for a while. Looking about for a house, they were much attracted by one just outside the city, which stood near the water's edge and commanded a beautiful view of the harbor. Their friends, and more especially their Chinese servants, cried out aghast. They must not think of such a thing. The house was haunted. No one had lived in it for years. It was as much as one's life worth even to pass it after nightfall. The Englishmen, however, were not going to be frightened off by any such silly stories. They rented the house and moved in. For several months, all went well. Both father and son were delighted with the place and finally decided to buy it. One evening, the son, who had been dining in town, came home quite late. As he opened the front door, he heard what seemed to be a scuffle in his father's room. Before he could reach the top of the stairs, a soul-piercing shriek rose high above the confused din. Oh, okay. That was my sound effect. <laughs> I thought you were laughing and that you no. hadn't gotten out the second part of the laugh. <laughs> I was trying to make it okay, thank you know, you. Okay. radio. Okay. Good, good, good. Sorry. Want me to start over? No. <laughs> then all no. was silent. <laughs> Rushing into his father's room, the young man found him lying on the floor in a pool of blood. Wow. There was no one else in the room, nor were, was there any apparent way for anyone to have left it without passing him in the hall. A knife was sticking in the breast of the wounded man. Oh, my God! A wicked-looking melee knife with a curiously carved handle. The young man stepped into the hall to call the servants to his father's assistant. When he stepped back into the room a moment later, the knife had disappeared. The wounded man never rallied. He lived several hours but was not able to speak. His face was distorted by an expression of unutterable terror, and he died with that look still in his eyes. The associations of the place were too painful for his son to remain there longer. He offered a large reward for the discovery of his father's murder and left a minute description of the knife that had no that had so dis- mysteriously disappeared. Then he packed up his belongings and returned to England. The house stood vacant, of course, more dreaded than ever. Months passed, perhaps years. <laughs> I do not know, but after a certain lapse of time, one of our men of war visited the harbor of Tientsin. Uh, 
Several of the officers were ashore one night dining with a party of foreign residents at the club. Someone told the story of the haunted house and the murdered Englishman, adding that the natives said that the murder was reenacted every night at the same hour. Our officers expressed a lively interest in the narrative. Let's visit the house some night, one of them suggested, and let's just see the show. Wow. Why not, exclaimed a young Dane, whom we will agree to call A. We have plenty of time, and the steward of the club has the keys of the house. The Englishman left them with him when he went away. The men were all young and keen for adventure. Perhaps the excellent club punch had made them even braver than usual. Anyhow, the suggestion was received with acclamations. The keys were called for. Someone produced a lantern. The rest filled their pockets with machetes and candle ends. Oh, matches. <laughs> I was gonna say, candle ends. You ever filled your pockets with machetes? <laughs> It'd be a moil. Uh, is that a machete or are you just happy to see me? <laughs> when they were ready to start, they looked about for A. He was nowhere to be found. The party set forth without him. One of our officers could not refrain from expressing some amusement that the organizer of the adventure should prove the only one afraid to carry th- carry it through. Right. A, afraid, cried one of the club members. You don't know him. He doesn't know what fear means. I'll wager he's up to some devilry at this moment. Probably he's gone on ahead to put a pillowcase on and play the ghost for us. They had to hurry to reach the house at the intended hour. There it is, someone said at last, and Lieutenant B, who carried the lantern, looked at his watch by its light and announced that they had just three minutes to spare. The door was unlocked with difficulty, for the fastenings had grown rusty from disuse. By George, cried the first man who stepped into the hall. There's something going on upstairs. It's A, said his friend, laughing, and they all started upstairs, Mr. B walking ahead with the lantern. A cry of agonized despair startled the smiles from their lips and quickened their steps to a run. B pushed open the door of the room with which the sounds had come. As he did so, and before he could see anything, the lantern was dashed from his hand and the door slammed behind him. He stood still in the darkness for a few awful, terror-stricken seconds. Then he took a step forward and tripped over something on the floor. He stooped over and his hand encountered a pool of warm, oozing liquid. It flashed on his mind that this was blood and that the thing he had stumbled over was a man's body. His heart almost stopped beating. He was afraid to move, afraid to breathe. The instance during which his friends in the hall were striking a light and opening the door seemed an eternity. Lieutenant D is now the gray-haired father of a family, but he says the horror of that moment is as fresh a thought as as if it had all happened yesterday. At last, the door was opened. The young men crowded in with their candles. There at their feet lay poor A with the melee knife in his heart. Oh my God! Explanations are always as anti, always an anticlimax. But the explanation of the foregoing tragedy is too curious to omit. Though its pretensions to being a ghost story are thereby destroyed. Sorry. After this second murder, the authorities were aroused to a display of tardy activity. The house was carefully searched and the discovery made that the walls were double, containing secret doors, staircases, and storage chambers. Wow. One of these secret doors accounted for the murderer's escape and his return to get the knife, which he evidently felt would be a dangerous clue. By the way, clue is spelled C-L-E-W. In the secret chambers were found a considerable supply of arms and a large quality of valuables of most varied description. 
It was evident that the place had been used as a refuge and storehouse by Chinese pirates, its proximity to the water making it more convenient. The owner of the knife and some members of his gang were subsequently captured and put to death. And this was in the Washington Star. And again, that was from 1895. Wow. So. And that was a local paper. And by the way, this wasn't in October. This wasn't like meant to be a, uh, you know, a Halloween ghost story. Right. Yeah. And that was the local paper at the time? Yes, yeah. Here? Well, uh, well, it was in our paper, but it looks like they took it from the Washington Star. Oh, okay. Yeah. What a story to print in the paper. I know. What a gory story and scary story, especially for back then. Wow. You'd have thought. I would think something like that wouldn't even be printed in our paper. Right, right. So there you go. Wow, that is... I know. (laughs) It's amazing. All right. So you guys, once again, you can go to Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. At Snack A Little. You can give us a call on our dedicated listener line. And the number is 909-572-0278. Give us a call. Leave a message. We may feature it on a future show. Maybe you've got some kind of uh, hunting or researching you want to do a place that you live at now or where you have lived in the past. And we certainly have listeners from all over the world that live in areas that are way older than the victorian era (laughs) if there's anything i can do to help point you in the right direction or help you out i'm finding that i'm really loving this let us know if you found historical things about your area that uh, that you find fascinating that got you into being a history nerd about local stuff and check facebook because i am going to post this recipe for the berry betty and it is good and you know what it's old it's as at least as old as 1864 what i found didn't taste like it come on back